This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the Therapy Group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi, Jen. Hi, Em. (laughs) Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. It's so good to see you as always. I'm pretty sure we start this the same every single time. Yes. And if people really realized it was just been not even, oh no, I dropped you off last night about eight (laughs) o'clock. Yeah. So we we only slept, woke up, and then we're talking again, (laughs) which I think is pretty standard. For who? Oh, for us. <laughs> for us. Yeah, yeah. Not for other people. I thought people. you meant for most relationships. No, and I was like, no, no nobody talks def- this much. No, definitely not. Well, it's great to see you again. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Okay, great. <laughs> well, it's funny because we have been having a lot of hard conversations in our lives with our business, different stuff that we do. And a lot of people wrote in and say, well, how the hell do you have a hard conversation? And you know what? We're going to tell you. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to tell you exactly how to do it. That's <laughs> and, what we're going to do. And your method of having a hard conversation might be different than another person's method. And so we're going to talk through the things that we have found have been the most helpful for us in terms of having hard conversations, helping clients having hard conversations. Because as we've talked about and as you've you've figured out if you've listened to our podcast, having card conversations is an important aspect of relational health. Because no matter what, to maintain healthy relationships, there are times in which you're going to have to have hard conversations. So, Em, I know you don't watch The Bachelor. 
I think I'm supposed to act like I do, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so pretend like I you love pretend like Tell me pretend more. like you know what I'm talking about. Is that he? Uh, the first episode came out, and he basically said, "Like I want a relationship, like my parents. They never fight." And oh, and he thinks I, that's super healthy. He's like, yes. this is they have the healthiest marriage in the world. Yeah. And my first thought is when I hear that is it's not that they don't fight. It's that they don't communicate. Every therapist that was watching that show was probably like, oh, supposed to fight. <laughs> um, can I ask where he's from? Do we have any other information? Like they just don't fight. That's all. I don't I don't know. I wow. Don't know. I'm, I'm okay. sure there's more information, but I am like on my phone while I'm watching it. <laughs> you know, I'm like always half watching it. So. Yeah, you're a two sc- you're a two screen queen. Yeah. Oh wow, that's beautiful. You are. That's Thank what you, you do, right? I'm gonna yeah. put that on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the, that'll the, get me a job? <laughs> recently, you know what's so funny is recently, so we get applications that come in all the time, and we're hiring. Especially if you're in, happen to be a therapist in New York or Massachusetts, we're hiring. Especially if you're dual licensed, we're really really hiring you. Um, <laughs> but so right now we go through these resumes, and the funniest thing is now everyone's resume is unbelievable because everyone so makes it nice. to Canva, and. I don't know, but you said you didn't have to do this. In high school, we had to like learn how to make a resume. So like I like learned how to make a resume very young and they all look horrible. And you were like, you want to know what? I would be have the world's best resume. I would. If if this was me now. I would. I absolutely would. But I I think the thing that would take away like the beauty of it is if I put on there to screen queen, you know. (laughs) No, no, that's a guaranteed job. (laughs) You think so? Yeah. And also you I don't know. I don't know what I'm applying for, but I guess it depends what I'm applying for. If you're applying for a job where you have to watch TV and be on your phone, then you're golden, baby. Did you know you could get paid for watching Netflix? Okay, I have seen those like ads (laughs) that you get that's like... You know, like, get paid, so nap all day. Like, who? What do you mean? Is is this fucking real? I don't... I don't know. No, it's fake. (laughs) I'm not sure, but it looked... From a reel that I saw, it looked like it was real. <laughs> and, you, that's, and you know, social media. <laughs> definitely the a, truth. It's 100%. Yeah, it's 100%. So that is definitely real. So uh, tell me, Jen, in the past, when you had to have hard conversations, how did you feel beforehand? Before going into it, what were you thinking? How were you feeling? What was coming up for you? Great question. So for me, I'm someone who takes some time to process things that it doesn't come automatically to me to say, okay, I need to have this hard conversation. So because I'm very internal about the way I process things, something will happen and maybe over time I'm processing it and then I have to go back to whatever happened and have the hard conversation. And so internally, I am replaying what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. And I think the thing that happens and the thing where I used to get stuck, I think, before I was a therapist, is that it felt easier to avoid the conversation than to have the conversation. But what would happen is when you avoid the conversation, you end up uh, feeling anxious and struggling within yourself. Right. What's that quote? What's that quote we love? Oh, oh, um. Keeping peace creates a war with it only a war yeah, within you or something. something. Oh, like avoiding conflict creates 
a war within yourself. And so if you're someone who typically internalizes things, you probably know exactly what I'm speaking to is that when you avoid, you create a massive war within yourself that you didn't communicate this thing. Because but because I think there's pieces to it too where you can there's there's something that can be beneficial about sitting on something and saying is this something I want to bring up? Like, is this worth it to me, right? So like if you're in a romantic relationship, there's going to be so many things that bother you about your partner. Just happens. <laughs> and so there are certain things you can say, okay, I'm going to let that go. Like they left the towel on the bed, right? Like, do I really have to bring this yeah. up? Not everything matters. Not everything matters. And so you get to pick and choose. So, th- so it's okay to really think on, is this important enough for me to bring up in my relationship? But make sure that you do. You know, we love to have the conversation around that people love to give that advice. Don't go to bed angry. (laughs) And there's something to be said about sitting on something and being able to process it, to be able to come back to your partner and say, hi, I really want to have this conversation. I want to I want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So moral of the story is if if you're someone who internalizes things, it is so much more helpful and so important to be able to process through it and then bring it up if if it feels important to you. And I think that's where people get stuck is that it's hard to bring it up after that time of processing. Yeah. I do this daily reader, this Al-Anon daily reader of Letting Go by Melody Beattie, who wrote Codependence No More. We were just talking about this last night. And today's reader was when you hold things in, you end up with either victimization or anger, right? So it's either that I'm so fucking pissed, nobody shows up for me, or woe is me, nobody shows up for me. And half the time, you're not actually communicating anything of what you actually need as it is. And then projecting that onto other people. So then you get lost in between this place. And of course, sadness and anger are completely, completely valid emotions. But then sitting and feeling anger or like a victim is not going to be helpful to actually get your needs met long term. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you you can't expect your partner or whoever you're in this uh, relationship with to know how you feel. Right. And when you expect them to know how you feel and to come to you, you're putting them in a tough position. Right. They're not mind readers. And so being able to communicate how you feel, even if it's a hard conversation, is so important. Mm -hmm. So, Em, what about for you? What do you when you have to have a hard conversation? What's your process look like? So mine's hard because I'm not a slow processor. I'm a very fast processor. So with me, especially with like some of my anxiety stuff, I want to urgently immediately figure something out. And the difficulty with that is that sometimes the other person is in in the place to do that. I am married to a very slow processor. I'm in business with a very slow processor. And so I'm like, and I'm like, let's do this now and let's figure it out. And here's the solution and blah, blah, blah. Because like I am like, that's how I am. And so I can then feel in them taking time, I can feel rejected. So sometimes the feeling that comes up for me beforehand is this is already not going to go my way. I'm already going to have to change this stuff. Like, so I'll get into a headspace. That's the victim part. Like, I get into a headspace of like, oh, what was me? This is already going to fall apart for me. Mm. And because of that, then there's been times when I haven't tried. Wow. Yeah. So it's it sounds like a way of protecting yourself, right? Yes. To say, I'm not even going to try this because it's not going to go my way. 
Exactly. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, what does my way mean? Right. Like having a conversation shouldn't be about my way. But I think it's also the feeling of uh, having people around you that just are different. And then it can feel like rejection having to go at their pace. And it is, you know, like we always talk about is the lower desire couple is the one who is control in the bedroom. Yes. The lower processor person is the one who wow. has control of the conversation, wow. right? That is so true, right? Because then they make the decision of when they're of, ready. Of course, because if someone's not ready, you can't do anything about it. So then right? you sort of have to sit there and like you have to do your own emotional self-regulation, which is an incredibly helpful and good skill. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily feel like that all the time. Yes. Wow. That was such a good comparison. You <laughs> The bedroom one? The emotional regulation that you're doing is synonymous to masturbation. <laughs> Am I right? You're that's it. We have the that nail on the head. <laughs> Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. you got to try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you 
you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. So then how do we do it? So how do we have conversations? One, there's no perfect way to do it, but there's a few things we can do to make it a little easier. One of those is called a soft startup. So we've talked about this before in other episodes. Let's go through it again. A soft startup is saying, hey, so you have some time today for us to talk through um, our plans for splitting the holidays with your parents. A hard startup is, so what, we're going to have to fucking stay all Christmas at your mom's? (laughs) I wonder there's, if anyone could tell the difference between those two. <laughs> there's a difference, right? So one is we're doing consent. We're speaking through things. There's autonomy for me to make those decisions. There is generosity and kindness towards your partner. One is I already have these big feelings. I'm already projecting on you what I think. I'm mind reading how you think you're going to be. I'm, I'm displaying a ton of cognitive distortions. It's not going to go my way. So here's how I'm going to act at the beginning. Mm. Or you say nothing. <laughs> Or you say nothing and you see, right? And so that that is a passive way to go about it. Yes. And I think that that can also lead to, right, once again, resentment or feeling victimized in some way where, oh, I just have to do whatever they want, where you didn't end up having the conversation to begin with in order to express your needs. Yeah. Yeah. And so the soft startup piece is going to be really important and we'll probably reiterate it through this entire episode mm-hmm. because... I think that 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 having the language around it is really important and is going to create a level of safety because when you start start something with a soft startup, your partner or whoever you're having the conversation with is going to be more likely to be receptive to it as opposed to saying, hey, oh, God, like, I I can't believe we have to spend Christmas with your with, you know, your mom again. Yeah. (laughs) What's your number one tip? We talk a lot about. setting and how important it is to have conversations in a setting that is productive for the conversation. So for example, having the conversation when your kids are running around, when you're making dinner is going to be very different than having the conversation on a Sunday morning when it's just the two of you and you're having coffee. It could be the same conversation but your setting is going to be so essential to be able to have some of those harder conversations. Mm-hmm. And there's something about creating boundaries around the conversation, which can also be really helpful that both people are going into the conversation in a way where they're emotionally prepared. Mm-hmm. So to be able to say, hey, can we talk about this over brunch on Sunday? Can we talk about this after the kids go to school Tuesday morning? Yeah. Right. Can we sit down? Can we have some coffee together? Can we go to walk? We go on a walk. A drive. A drive. Right. And sometimes, honestly, sometimes going on drives can be really helpful because you are not looking at each other. Side by side. And it creates safety around vulnerability. If you're having a very vulnerable conversations, that's that's why sometimes parents find it easier to have conversations with like their teenagers in the car. Mm -hmm. And so for you to really be conscious of what the setting is, is also really important. Now, you can also overthink that. I think that sometimes, especially if you're an internal processor and it takes you some time to be able to have the conversation, it's really easy to overthink that. 
So nothing, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it can be something where you think about what would be the best way to have this conversation. And you could talk to your partner about it. You could say, hey, when we have hard conversations, even if you haven't brought anything up yet, when we have hard conversations, where do you think, where do you think we can do it? Can we, can we brainstorm what would be the easiest place for us to have some of these conversations? You know, when me and my husband were um, looking for houses, you know, you know, when there's like a little nook in like a window. So anytime we saw like a nook in a window, we would call it, oh, there's talk it out corner. <laughs> I love that. Did you buy that, your did your house? No, have that? it doesn't. So you we don't buy talk. a talk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we don't speak anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but <laughs> I like to use that. I'm just kidding. Like people thought you were serious. Oh, wow. Jen really doesn't talk to her husband. That's crazy. Okay. Also, this is this is a side note. Yesterday, yesterday, Emily and I were having a conversation and she was like, oh, can we do it on this date? And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. That's my half birthday. I celebrate it every year. And she thought I was serious. My face was like, what the fuck? I was like, you have known me for for a decade, for a decade. And you think that I actively celebrate my half birthday every year? You were so serious the way you said it. And like I was sitting next to you, not looking at you. And I was just like, and I was also trying to not be judgmental because some people really care about their birthdays. Because then also, you know, what's so Half funny. Birthday. But you know, what's so funny is also my head, my initial thought was like, Jen doesn't even care about her regular birthday. I can't believe she cares about her half. And then I was just like, I'm just trying to be supportive. So I guess I'll just like be OK with this. But like, <laughs> so that's like now I feel like when I make a joke, I have to say just kidding afterwards. <laughs> Real quick. Yeah, I did take that seriously. I do not know why. <laughs> So Some people so, really give a fuck about their birthday. That's why they and do. If you are. But a half, that is so listen, cool. Half birthday support you. Have half of a cake. Have a full cake. I just you know whatever you want to do. <laughs> going back, going back, going back to talking out quarter for you to be able to have a conversation with your partner of like where is the best setting that we can have hard conversations. What does that look like for us? And how do we want to do that? And it might be different for everyone. And I think the other thing is, like, do you feel like you can go to your partner and have conversations? Or do you feel dismissed or belittled or ignored or, right, like any of these things? And you can also say, hey, as two people that are trying to make a relationship work, I'd like to be able to have a difficult conversation. And that just doesn't go for romantic relationships. That goes for all relationships in your life. If there were friends in your life you feel like you cannot have hard conversations with, that's a conversation to have about the conversation. And that's, once again, is the meta communication. Let's talk about the talking. So we're just so, going to talk yeah, about the talking. We're talk and ta- about the talking. We're talking about talking about the talking. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start to weave in some questions because I think some are very important. So somebody had said how to find the right time. If something is pressing, right, I don't want you to be like, oh, the only time that we have is three weeks from now. Like, no, I want you to talk about it sooner and say, hey, we really have to make time and space for this right now. The hard part is if your partner is going through something really big or if your partner is avoidance and they never want to have that conversation, you are allowed to say, "Okay, I don't actually need you to respond. Here's the thing I need to say. Or would you like me to write it down and hand it to you in a letter? Mm. You are allowed to get things out and they are allowed to take time to respond. But somebody else said how to not avoid them. Easier to avoid all costs. Of course. Of course. Of so course. much easier. <laughs> Who wants to have these conversations? None of us. One of the reasons we avoid is because we're so scared it's going to go so badly. So instead, I want you to pretend it's going to go really well. 
what if I got everything I needed at the end of this conversation? Or what if I even got half of what I needed when I got out of this conversation? Mm -hmm. Would that be worth it to do? I also think there's something to be said about sometimes the conversation doesn't stop just in one chat. Mm -hmm. And that it's okay in the conversation if one or both of you are getting activated to say, hey, let's take a break from this and let's continue it in a few days. Because right now, you know, the place that we are in, it's not leading to a productive conversation or maybe we have to figure out some of these details. And I think we should pause it right here. Let's have some dinner. Let's and let's, you know, continue the conversation on another day. You're very much allowed to do that. It is okay to not talk things to death, especially when both of you or one or one of you is feeling activated and it's leading to a conversation that isn't productive. Yeah. Someone said how to be okay without an immediate resolution. That's for me. It's very difficult. And so part of it is what we're really talking about this larger conversation of emotional regulation. Saying to yourself, okay, we didn't get to the end here. A good conversation was started. If I was happy and could see some progress, what would that look like? What? If they didn't give me anything, but what I know is that I'm feeling activated from that, I have to make sure I go outside and get a walk or listen to some music or take a bath or do these things to take care of me, right? So if I know that I'm more anxious when I don't have an immediate resolution, what is the self-care that has to immediately be implemented to help take care of that? Mm. You know, I'm thinking about on the flip side of it, like if you're the partner, obviously, because I'm thinking about how I process things. It's also important to be able to say to the partner who wants an immediate resolution, like, hey, I I am in the space right now where I'm thinking about this and I'm processing this and I want to have this conversation. Yeah. Right. So for you to be able to recognize that it's important to your partner to have the conversation and they're working on their emotional regulation. I think it's easy for the partner who's internally processing to shut down. But when you shut down, your partner then feels further rejected. Mm -hmm. So for you to be able to acknowledge that your partner is looking for that in those moments, I see that you want to have this conversation. It's important for me to have the conversation too. I'm taking some time to process it. I'm thinking about it and I want to come back together and talk about it, but I just need some space to be able to do that. That it's okay to give your partner a little bit so that they can buffer around the rejection that they might feel in those moments so that they can regulate, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you're going to regulate your own emotions and you can say, okay, my partner is processing it, right? They are thinking about it. They do want to have this conversation. I am important to them. My emotions are important to them. It will also help you be able to regulate those emotions when you know that it's also important to your partner. And it feels like one of those times where we also have to say, which we should just have a, like an ongoing display or anything, we are not talking about abusive situations. Yes. If your partner is actively and intentionally belittling you, dismissing you, not giving a fuck, being abusive with their language, behavior, no, you walk out. That's yeah. not, those aren't conversations you have. The only way to disengage, the only way to take care of yourself and get to safety first Because there's a lot of, a lot, the majority of the questions we got in was like, basically, how do I handle this other person? Mm. And we don't actually get to control that. The only thing you can control is your boundaries and how you take care of you. Yeah.
A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash chicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. I have to answer this question. Okay. People pleaser in me can't break up with my therapist because she'll lose a client and she'll be losing business. You can break up with your therapist. Let's be very, very, very clear of that. She may lose one client. There is many, many, many clients out there. There will be another client that is better for her. And by you taking up a spot that isn't a good fit for either of you, it isn't serving anyone, but I know it's definitely not serving you. It is not your job to keep your therapist in business. That is her job. Your job is to utilize whatever business you see fit. I'm so glad you answered that. A lot of people said, how do you break up with your therapist? And I think that there there is a huge fear around breaking up with your therapist. And we've talked about 
this a lot on the podcast at different times is that there might have been times where your therapist was helpful for you and is no longer helpful. And that has nothing to do with um, them doing something wrong. I mean, maybe it does. Them doing them doing something wrong, you doing something wrong. Sometimes relationships just run their courses, especially their your relationship with your therapist. And so I think that there is it, it feels in a way similar to like a romantic breakup of like, this is gonna be so painful for them. They are gonna feel rejected. They're gonna it is not your responsibility or your job to take care of their emotions in that process. And once again, just as in a romantic relationship, you're not helping anyone by staying with someone that you're not into anymore. You're not going to help your therapist. You're not going to help yourself. There's nothing that's going to be helpful about you staying in a therapeutic relationship that is no longer serving you. And if you can't break up with your therapist because you're worried about all of that, then go to Al-Anon, not therapy. Like, I mean, that is codependency work, right? Like, and actually to do good work, you have to say honest conversations. But also, if your therapist is in private practice and you're worried about her business because of you one person, then your therapist shouldn't be in private practice. Yeah. Like, it just is how it is. But I am telling you, as someone who runs a very large <laughs> therapy practice, there is many, 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 many clients out there. I have had clients that have outgrown me and it is lovely to see them go. There has been times where it hasn't been the right fit and people have been honest about that. It is my job to process through that. It is not my job to convince you to stay, to guilt trip you, to give you a hard time about any of that. My job is to say thank you so much for your honesty. I'm going to provide you with some additional referrals. And would you like to have one final session to process? That's it. And that's it. That's it. It's my job. I like this one too. How to tell your therapist you want to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I would say just like that. <laughs> you did you, it. You did it, right? You go in and you say, hey, you start the session off. I would like to go a little deeper this session. You might not have a great understanding about what that means yet, but part of the process is figuring out what that means for you. And you can talk about what does that mean to go deeper? And so that's maybe a question I would ask yourself before you go in there. What would that look like? If you felt like you were going deeper in your sessions, what would that look like? What would you be getting out of it? What would be different? And you can bring that into your session with your therapist. I think the therapeutic process, it's so important for it to be collaborative. And once again, sometimes there are you get into a place with your therapist where you get a little bit stuck because maybe you weren't ready to go deeper at the beginning or maybe the therapist wasn't taking you deeper. You're very much allowed to take control of that process by saying, it's important for me to go a little bit deeper and here is what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I really love this question. How to say we need to talk without saying that. We're therapists, so we love I statements. So what it might look like, another way to say that, we'll say we need to talk. Another way you could say that is I have had some stuff come up for me. Do you have room to process it through with me? I, 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 not we, not you, I take personal responsibility. When you say I instead of you, the other person is much less likely to get defensive, right? So if I say you need to have a conversation with me about our finances, you never talk to me about our finances, as opposed to, hey, I'm a little bit anxious about our finances. Can we sit down and talk about it? Because you you don't seem overwhelmed about them. So I'm hoping that you can clue me in and talk. Tell me about what's working for you. 
I would love to support each other through this because yes. I am really struggling with this. Okay, I really love this one. The difference between standing up for yourself and being too confrontational. Are you feeling an emotion or are you being the emotion, right? Oof. Standing up for yourself. Hey, I can't let you speak to me that way. Are you fucking kidding, bitch? <laughs> Different, <laughs> right? What is my tone? What is my body language and how am I feeling? And if I am too angry to stand up for myself, then it's immediately confrontational. Take a breath. Realize that the other thing is you don't have to do everything in person. You can shoot a text. Hey, you made that joke at lunch today. I know that we had joked before about my bad under. I have Will Ferrell bottom teeth. We talk about it all the time. Um, so let's say Jed, Jed and I joke about that between the two of us. But we're out to lunch with a bunch of people. She Jo- makes a joke about it. I don't feel comfortable with all those other people. She doesn't realize that it wasn't intentional, but it didn't feel good, didn't feel safe. Afterwards, I say to Jen, oh my God, uh, you brought up the thing about my teeth. I know we joke about that all the time, but I'm actually not comfortable talking about it in a group setting. Do you think that that's something you could respect? Jen replies. Absolutely. I love you. I would never want you to feel that way. What somebody else may reply is, it was just a joke. What's the big deal? Hey, I totally get that it was just a joke. And I'm telling you, it didn't feel like one to me. That's it. Just Mm -hmm. because somebody doesn't allow you to go deeper, you can stand your ground in how you reply. I love that. And I will never never bring up your teeth. I don't even notice them. (laughs) Will Ferrell. They They look beautiful to me. I know. Every time I'm like, I'll get Invisalign. Then I'm like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> I, re- I honestly sounds like a lot of work you always mention them and i don't notice them because it's like one of those things people like you know can feel on themselves yeah of course right yeah but not enough that i give a fuck right <laughs> to do literally anything more than i have to in my life <laughs> any advice about how to ask for feedback about your progress at work hey i've been at this job for about three months so i was wondering if you could give me a little feedback about my work here also i have to say like i think it's incredibly brave to be able to do that Mm -hmm. You know, to be able to say, I am open to hearing constructive criticism, right? And I think that's a word that you can use. Um, I'm open to any constructive criticism that you may have. I'm I'm open to hearing any feedback that comes up for you. I really want to make sure that I am doing the best job I can possibly do. And the only way for me to do that is to have a bit of a mirror towards myself. Sometimes we can't see ourselves fully. I love this one, which is um, how to deal with pushback and closed-mindedness. Because the exciting thing is you actually don't need anyone to accept what you're saying or be open-minded for you to still stick up and say something. Mm. Because if I bring this up about my teeth and Jen's like, it's just a joke, it actually doesn't matter what she says. I stood up for myself and I set the boundary for me. Mm -hmm. And we say this all the time on the podcast. I'm just going to say it again, is that you might have to continue to set the boundary over and over and over again. Here's the thing. If you keep setting that boundary and someone's not respecting it, then you get to reassess that relationship in your life. Yeah. How to not just spew everything I want to say. Give yourself three sentences. Three sentences. Maybe one run on. (laughs) If you are giving somebody a, a term paper, <laughs> they're not listening to you anymore. As soon as you hit a full paragraph, people aren't really listening to you. There's something to be said about when it turns into more than three sentences, right? That what I'm hearing underneath that is that you want to be heard so bad. And there was a time in your life in which you were not heard. Mm-hmm. 
And the idea surrounding it is that if I express all of this, I will get those needs met. I will eventually be heard. But what happens is when we spew everything, the other person might shut down. They might stop listening after a while. They might hold on to one thing. They're trying to process what you're saying. And if it's too much for them, they're really not going to be able to hear you. So the thing that you are desperately wanting, you might be pushing someone farther away from actually hearing what you need and Mm -hmm. actually hearing how you feel. So that is why three sentences is so important and essential for you to get your needs met. The, The more that you can be concise and you can connect with your feelings and you can express it in a way that is an I statement, that's a soft startup, the more likely you are actually going to be heard. Here, Jen, I got one for you. Ready? Okay. Mm -hmm. How to talk about the hesitancy of having children with spouse. Oh. (laughs) So in a similar fashion to what we've been saying, I would say, hey, I know we're getting close to the time where we're starting to talk about children. And I want to talk to you about all of the emotions coming up for me. Some of them are positive, but also some of them are hesitant and I want to feel like I can express all of those feelings for you mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to you. It's really important for me going into this that I'm able to express those feelings and we can kind of talk about them together. And so I don't know if this person is actually contemplating having children or that they're choosing to have children but also having hesitant feelings about it. Both things can be true is that you are allowed to choose to have children and also have hesitancy about it. You are allowed to have hesitancy about having children and choose not to have children, but that's going to be a bigger, harder conversation. And I think that sometimes there's a fear of if I talk to my spouse about being hesitant about this or like some of the things that come up for me in being a mother, that they're going to think that that means I definitely don't want to have children. Maybe it does mean that and maybe it doesn't. But I think even just validating the fact that you are allowed to have those feelings going into being a parent or in choosing to be a parent and that that's okay. And then if that hesitancy, you know, is actually leading to you saying, I actually don't know if I want to be a parent, that is going to be a bigger conversation that might take a a bunch of different experiences to talk about. Mm -hmm. Because that might mean that the rules of your relationship have changed since you've gotten married. Which leads into our really good Dear Emma Jen. Let's do it. I'm in a new relationship and we're talking about the possibility of moving in together in the next six months. I'd be moving into his house, but I'm not sure how to have a conversation about how messy his house is and how I can't live in an environment like this house is currently in. I'm nervous to bring up this topic because I don't want him to feel shameful about it because he also acknowledges that it's messy and doesn't seem to want to do anything about it. Wow. So I'm first going to say I think that it's very important to have this conversation before you move in together. I think it's (laughs) essential (laughs) to have this conversation because I'll tell you what, not having the conversation will not make this go away. And I think that that is the hope that maybe if I just don't have the conversation and we move in together, that things will change. And I think that that is a magical thinking that happens often of like, 
when we get married, this will change. When we have a baby, this will change. When we move in together, this will change. And we can tell you that that does not happen, that having the conversation, hi, you can say something like, hey, I'm anticipating us moving in together. I can't wait to live with you. But I want to talk about some of the things, some of my fears that are coming up around moving in together, because I'll tell you something, moving in together is a huge adjustment. It is a huge adjustment. And so to be able to anticipate some of those challenges, to be able to start the conversation before you actually move in together, you're already doing some damage control by doing that. What do you think? Okay, so here's my thoughts. I think the conversation could look something like this. I am so excited to live with you. And you said it before, the house needs a little bit of work. What do you think about us coming up with some better systems for the both of us to make that transition a little bit easier? There has to be a different system. If he, if the partner has brought this up that he's having trouble, there's clearly some type of um, shame, overwhelmed feelings around this. Often people like that don't want us to ignore it. They're already saying it. They might want us to help them. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to help them by cleaning the house for them. But what you could say is, I guess we'd have to figure out some different organizational systems together. Maybe this person has ADHD and they struggle with keeping things organized. Maybe they feel overwhelmed with the amount of stuff. Maybe they grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of organization and they don't have those skills. But saying to your partner, what would we like our house to look like together? You could go online and look at pictures of what you'd like the house to look like. I know there might be a touchiness because this other person owns the home, and I think that would be an important conversation to have. Are you going to be paying half of the mortgage? Are you going to be paying a rent towards that person? How is that going to look? Because I think that that's going to get into how everyone feels about whose house this belongs to. But if you're going to be living there and you need your environment to look a certain way, I would say that it doesn't have to be that the other person is bad, that you need something hey, I know that I need to have some space in the house to walk through or I need the laundry to be folded on Mondays or here's some stuff. Let's come up with some really good systems. Here's the stuff that I know I'm going to... Personally, in my house, I love cleaning the kitchen. I I just have no problem. I will do the dishes all the time. I don't care. The kitchen is really easy for me to clean. But cleaning up my daughter's playroom is the most triggering experience I've ever had. There's too many small objects. I there's I don't love that like the way the room is organized. We've had this conversation. So my partner always takes the playroom and I'm able to take the kitchen. I don't care. It does not feel unequal to me in any way. I will clean every single dish because it does not bother me at all. So say to him, here, say to your partner, here are the things that I'm happy to take over. What are the things that aren't overwhelming for you? You can collaborate on those ones. And I think being open to that when you do move in together, if that adjusts, right, if you find that, okay, I really do enjoy cleaning the kitchen or I would rather not clean the kitchen, you can continue to have conversations around it and you can continue to adjust what are our roles in the house? What does that look like? Because it's absolutely going to be different than when you lived separately. Yeah. And so be open to that adjustment and be open to continuing to having those hard conversations over time. And that's it for today's episode. That's it. Thanks for listening to Shrink Chicks. So excited. You want me to do the outro? Yeah, you do the outro. You got this. I'll zoom in on my very cute dog. You do the outro. Okay. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and follow on Apple Podcasts. If you think a friend would enjoy it, if you want to have a hard conversation with that friend, send it on over to them. (laughs) Might be a good way to start it off. If you are looking for a therapist in 
Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Florida, California. We have amazing clinicians at the therapy group for you. We also have in-person locations in Philadelphia and Westchester. We appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to grow yourself. Gotta know yourself. We'll see you next week on Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes. I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.